Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be listening in this big, wide world of ours, welcome to this week's edition of In Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted to be with you once again as we explore just how not-for-profits, NGOs, government departments and agencies and national associations are all using content marketing to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens. Today, we'll be speaking to Michelle Robertson from Communities at Work. But before we do that... I just want to take you to our definition of content marketing as it relates to the public sector. Content marketing is a strategic business process that involves the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content designed to meet the specific needs of an audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. It's as simple as that. Our guest today has deep expertise in strategic, operational and tactical marketing and communication. Michelle is the communication and marketing general manager at Communities at Work. Prior to joining the not-for-profit sector, she headed up operations of a leading international strategic and PR communication agency, BEDS, which is based in Johannesburg in South Africa. Michelle has worked across many industry sectors and provided communication and marketing advice for respected consumer brands such as Unilever and Coca-Cola. She's also led large public sector awareness campaigns such as the National Population Census. Michelle, Thanks for joining us in the studio and thanks for being in transition. Thank you so much, David, and good day to you and good day to the (laughs) listeners. Hey, um, a great career, a wonderful career, obviously consumer, public sector, you've seen it all. What are the big things that are exciting you at the moment about the changing communication landscape? David, when I was a a young lass that joined the industry um, and like any good lady, I won't tell you exactly how many years ago that was. Um, I have seen many, many changes. And I can tell you that living in today's society is the most exciting because we are in such a challenging, complex, dynamic environment and everything has changed. The rules have changed. The channels have changed. The media has changed. How you engaged has changed. And it is, it is really, really exciting. I think everything is exciting. I'll give you a practical example. I think if we, if we venture a little bit to the theoretical, um, 20 years ago, it was all about getting your message out there, assuming that the people are just sitting around waiting for you to tell them uh, a specific thing, to buy a specific product or to do something. Today, people can switch you on, they can switch you off. There is so much choice There is so much happening from the end user side that we have to really work hard to make sure that that our message, our organisation and our objectives get across. And that is exciting every day. So what's your best advice for grabbing that scarce attention or perhaps even earning that scarce attention? Because as you say, if you're not engaging the audience, there is an infinite choice as to where they can apply their, their time and attention. David, there isn't a simple answer, unfortunately. And I think if there was a simple answer, life would have been pretty boring 
anyway because it is it's it's always a number of things that you need to take into consideration and there's a number of things that you have to do i'll use um communities at work as as an example yeah. we are a local organization we're local for local that serve the local community okay and just for the audience local meaning canberra australia which is the home of the in transition podcast thank you very much for clarifying that <laughs> david um we are, however, a very complex organisation offering a variety of services across many, many different sectors. I'll give you an example. We uh, are operational in children's services. We have social programs. We have lifestyle services, which looks at disability, mental health and seniors. And then we do a whole host of other things like a, um, a, a specific school for very specific students and all sorts of different programs. Now, there is no single unifying message in there. It is very different audiences with very different um, asks and requirements that we have. So what do we do about that? And that is by trying to firstly understand who our audiences are. And I'll, I'll use an analogy in life. Um, if you are in a situation where you want to become friends with somebody or if you want to date somebody, if you want to marry somebody, you don't just walk up to somebody and start shouting, will you marry me or will you go out with me? You get to know people first. And the same principle applies when you communicate and market. You need to know each other. You need to woo your audience and you need to be able to create connections so that they can connect with you, so that they understand you, you understand them, and then you have a basis from which to build a really good relationship that's beneficial to both parties. So understand your audience, understand what you want to say, be very clear about what it is that you want to get across. Don't just have a vague plan, you need to be very specific in terms of what you want to achieve. What are, we, what are your objectives? What are your outcomes? And then what steps do you need to take to be able to communicate that so that people can engage with you? It's not just about getting across what you want. It's about what does your audience want and how do you provide the context for them to be able to work with you and, and engage with you on you, that. Se you seem to be suggesting that perhaps people need to be more patient in building relationships over time as opposed to thinking that the results may flow immediately. Is that fair enough? That is certainly my opinion, David, and that's certainly my experience. There's, sure, there's quick wins. There's always quick wins, but this is a game for the long run. If you want to play to win, you have to have patience and you have to be very measured and you have to be very strategic. And I can guarantee if you are those things, in the long run, it will pay off. But how do I convince somebody who's going to give me, say, half a million dollars for a particular program, which in the public sector would be a lot of money, uh, particularly in somewhere like communities at work, but just say it's a half a million dollars, don't they want to see returns quickly? They do. And this is where you have to work in a certain amount of quick wins. But there will always be short-term things that you can deliver quickly. And then there is more strategic measured things that will take time. So a, any good campaign and any good um, salesman would make sure that you actually tick, tick those boxes. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's also about just showing um, there's a lot of best practice examples out there. You know, we live in a, in a world where you can tap into any level of information. You, can, you have access like we have had never before. So it is being able to construct and making people see the big picture. And most, mostly people are able to, if you have a rational, very considered um, train of thought and you have a proposal, people can understand this is where we want to go. And if you can back it up and you have those quick wins, I think it's possible. In terms of trying to draw that useful, relevant case study information, which is going to help you to inform your own programs, there, as you suggest, there's oceans of this information that we are swimming around in. How, what are your practices to enable you to draw down on what is best for you in order for you to achieve the objectives of your organisation? David, thank you for asking that question. I'm going to sketch a little bit of context again using communities at work. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been around for nearly 40 years and we've done some really amazing things and have had amazing outcomes. The organisation has grown, changed, developed, and from a marketing and communication point of view, we were in fifth gear. We were cruising and we were driving incredibly fast, but we were going in the wrong direction. <laughs> so we, 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 needed to, we needed to stop the car and take stock. Right. And th- there was a, a... Where were you going in such a hurry? Where, what was happening? Well, we, as I explained at the beginning of the conversation, there was a whole number of, of services mm. that, that we provide. And in our specific context, we ended up creating a house of brands right. where, they, where we put the services very strongly up front and we created very memorable, strong um, names for the specific programs. The outcomes were very clear to see, but communities at work as the organisation delivering all of these programmes weren't, it, the Communities at Work was yeah. not placed at the forefront. Right. And that's when we stopped the car. There was a fantastic, um, last year was a really, really a very good year from a consolidation point of view. Um, we had a lot of business planning taking place where the strategic framework was, was set and where we were able to pull all these things into the five programmes that I explained previously. And that's then when we also put mirroring where we were going um, from the business point of view, taking our vision and our mission and our values into account. We pulled straight back to first gear and we consolidated the brand. And there's a saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And it's bit by bit. And again, this is where the patience comes in. And we start building instead of having this house of brands, you actually have a branded house where everything, the outcomes links to communities at work and not necessarily to a specific service that people didn't even realize belonged to communities at work. And we have spent probably close on the past year doing that. And we are not quite there yet. But we are certainly getting there and um, I'm very confident that soon we will be cruising again, but we will be going in the right direction. And I also want to say that this is, I think, communication and marketing often, it's like driving a car. Sometimes you have to be in first gear. Sometimes you have to be in fifth. The world is always changing. The environment is always changing. And you have to be agile enough to be able to adapt 
change and be where you want to be. And that's a very good um, mindset to have. Mm. So going back to that point of where, you know, you've obviously come into the job and you had to stop the car because you could see that it wasn't working for you. Uh, what advice would you have for the listeners who are caught in a similar situation? Because I imagine that that's a fairly common problem that, you know, infrastructures are set up, practices are in place, this is the way we do it around here, and we're heading in a particular direction. What advice do you have to give people that can help them to politically, could I say, you know, perhaps be able to get the influence into the organisation that says, hey, maybe we could, we may need to have a look at this? David, I was very fortunate. Communities at Work has an exceptionally strong, astute leadership team um, that spent a lot of time operationally looking at at the business, um, looking into the future and making sure that that there's a very sound um, business plan in place. Um, So that made it a lot easier for me to be able to focus Uh, the communication and marketing around that. So you went to the business plan and said, well, hang on. Yeah. We're not directing our activity or our efforts or our investment or whatever towards these objectives that are clearly stated. Absolutely. Yeah. So any good communication and marketing initiative will bring to life an organisation's DNA. Yeah. What is an organisation's DNA? It's going to be your vision. What is it? Where is it that you want to go? What is your mission? What is it that you want to achieve? What are the values? How are you going to live by this? And what is your operational uh, strategic plan? And we, I was very, very fortunate that those elements, it was very, very strong elements that we had there. Mm -hmm. Um, The challenge comes in, in, like you say, it's having the patience to be able to um, yield the results and explaining. So one of the a practical thing that I could um, perhaps offer as some advice is put, put your own marketing plan in place and consult widely, educate people, explain, take examples, show things, make it real, use best practice and bring, bring people that aren't necessarily believers or true believers at that point along with the journey internally. Because if you've got your internal people behind you, it's a lot easier to achieve what you want to achieve externally. Okay, so let's explore that because I think that's also fascinating. How do you build trust in the marketing and communication function internally? How do you get people to sign up and say, okay, I'm going to support this program? There's a number of ways, and I think first and foremost is having very good, clear relationships with the people that you report to. Don't ever promise something that you cannot deliver. Be very clear on understanding what is it that you want to achieve and what your specific communication and marketing um, intervention is going to lead to, what is going to be the outcome. I um, nearly want to say be a communication engineer. An engineer will take a bit of time planning and you will lay the foundation very clearly. If you're going to build a bridge, there's a lot of steps that you need to take to make sure that that bridge stands. And the same applies when you put any plan in place. Make sure that that you have the correct detail in place. Because if you take a very considered, detailed um, plan that is going to yield specific results that you have articulated and you achieve what you set out to achieve, 
I think that's the first basis for trust. So say, act, do, all of those things need to be aligned. Um, and I think it helps, of course, if you, if you work in a culture that's enabling. If you don't work in a culture that's enabling, I think it's a little bit harder, but it's still not impossible. People are generally, they're emotional and they are rational. So if you can tap into both those things, we have tools at our disposal. We can make things really beautiful with design. That's one way to get people on board. You just need to know what is going to get that specific person on board. Show it visually. You, you, we don't just have to go with, with, with words, although words are very powerful. So take a picture, take a video, make sure that you sculpt the words properly and bring your colleagues on that journey and if you have if you have a very good solid value proposition i don't think it's hard to convince people to come on the journey with you mm. it's harder to convince people on the journey if you don't have a very strong well thought out value proposition but you also seem to be suggesting that really it's about being empathetic to your colleagues and the people in the organization so you're understanding what their motivations are and how, in fact, the marketing and communication function can help them to achieve whatever that objective is. So it's really about standing in their shoes, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. Everybody has a specific objective. I need to achieve X. And if you can show somebody that I can help you to achieve X and this is how I can do it, and while we're doing it, it's going to be a very exciting time and it's going to be there's going to be a very specific outcome. You know, that is how you build a relationship of trust. So I'm intrigued by your background in that you have worked in consulting, private sector consulting. You've worked for some of the biggest, you know, brands in the world, you know, including Coca-Cola and a house of brands like Unilever. But what are some of the what are some of the learnings that you've been able to to take out of that background and apply into the the NGO not for profit sector that you're working in now at Communities at Work, which is really delivering community services to you know the less well off and less fortunate in our community. David, that was a true test for my own belief system, and. This is something that I want to certainly leave with the listeners too. You have to be very confident in your craft. If you go to, whether it's Unilever or Coca-Cola or any of the big brands in the world, and you ask for them to invest lots and lots of money, spending that on communication and marketing, you need to be sure that it's going to lead to an outcome. There's no difference. <laughs> or you'll lose a finger. Or you'll lose a well, <laughs> If it's not for profit, <laughs> if you work in the not-for-profit sector, in some instances, I think that some people can suffer from a poverty syndrome. So you don't want to invest in marketing. Yeah. But then you don't believe in your craft, do you? Yeah. So if, if you believe that you're going to get results for Unilever, surely the same principles apply. If I'm going to invest $1,000 to be able to get $100,000 in donations. Isn't that a good investment? Yeah. And, and that, I think, is, is key, is that there's, whether it is, um, there's a slight difference whether you sell a specific product 
or whether you sell a specific service. But the principles are the same. And you have to believe in what you do because if you don't believe in your own craft and in your own profession, the person that you are, are trying to convince yeah. to walk with you on that, on that journey is not going to believe it either. And there's no difference between spending money on marketing for um, um, a global, fast-moving consumer goods organization or a local community um, services organization. What do you like about working in the public sector? I like that I can visibly see the difference that I make. And I do believe we make a difference. So by part of what I want to achieve is for people to understand and know communities at work so that they will support us, so that they will come and work for us, so that they will make use of our services, so that we can help more people. The more people that we help, the more we can achieve our um, vision at Communities at Work to have a, a resilient and a socially inclusive community. When I walk upstairs into our community pantry and, and I see our clients, especially as we are heading into the holiday season, people that walk out, we have, we have given them, a, we have been of practical support for them. They have food. Um, they have access to clothes. They have had support in terms of their job interview. And that is an absolute fantastic feeling. Now, NGOs the world over have similar problems. Tonight, when you put your head on your pillow and you're drifting off to sleep, what are the two or three things that are worrying you at the moment that you have, you know, the priorities that you've got to solve and how are you going to solve them? Yeah, I think that the, there is a lot of similarities. There's market saturation. I'll give you some interesting numbers. Just looking at our local Canberra market and in Australia, there's as many as 700,000 non-profit organisations in Australia, which is a staggering amount. Wow. In Canberra, there are 250 entities in the community sector. And you can add another approximate 5,000 on top of that that are a non-profit organisation oh. of sorts. So, so it's, differentiation. Yes, differentiation. It is a very, very congested, saturated space. So be sure that you can articulate your value proposition and that you understand your audiences, that you have thought through your message and that you make sure that you are not in fifth gear when you should be in first gear. And I think that those are some, some of the practical things that, that you can look at. Another, another example is that there's a lot of competition. You know, all of us are competing for the same thing. You want specific support. So why would somebody choose you over somebody else? And you must never, ever lose sight of that is if you are competing, you constantly need to make sure that you are looking after your, uh, your support base, that you actively build your support base, that you are visible. We participate in a lot of events. Um, we are incredibly grateful of our wonderful supporters. And we tell them so because without them, our volunteers, our corporate supporters, our staff, we can't exist. So tell people, don't just take things for granted. Yep. So you have had a distinguished career. You've, you've achieved a lot. You've done a lot. What are, what are sort of a summary of the tips that you might be able to give the audience that 
they can take away. Because really the purpose of In Transition is really to have conversations with interesting people such as yourself, but really to draw out the knowledge so that when people turn this off, they can go, okay, I've got some things that I can actually go away and apply. Maybe some things that I hadn't thought of. David, I'm going to keep this very simple. Um, and there's some very good solid si- theories out there and I'm not, I'm not going to get theoretical. So sure, I'm going to... Sure, but simple's to- good. I, th- I think in this day and age, you know, we've got a saying here at Content Group that there's genius in simplicity. And I think increasingly as everyone can now be a publisher, everyone can now create and distribute content, everyone is pushing it out there. I think this notion of getting narrow and getting clear about who it is that you are trying um, to talk to, to influence in order to have them behave in a particular way, you really do need to deeply go into a narrower a narrower space. So I think this notion of simplicity has really got to uh, catch on because I think in terms of media, like the broadcast era is over. We are now in the narrow casting era and I think people really should take that on board that don't try to be all things to all people. Try to get as narrow as you possibly can in order that you can track back to achieve whatever those business objectives are. David, that is so... Sermon over. So, no, that is a useful, <laughs> valuable sermon and I hope people listen to what you said because that is, that is gold. So I would say really perfect the art of wooing. 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 We will, we will step back. We will ba- woo you. We will step back in time and, and we will look at how to woo yeah. so that you can woo your uh, volunteers. If, 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 if you have volunteers in your market, you, can, you, you need to woo everybody that you work with. But to woo, you have to understand. You have to understand. Yeah. You have to know them. You, you need to know their behaviours. You need to know their wants and likes and their needs. Yeah. And then you need to woo them so that they can feel loved and appreciated. And that comes back to narrow cost. It's, it's, it's yeah. really getting that right. And I think that that's essential. But also patience as well because you can't patience. quickly woo. No, you can't. <laughs> you have to be patient. Okay. You have to believe in your craft. I can't stress okay. that enough. Yep. You have to believe that you have the tools and the toolkits and that communication and marketing has a real role to play yep. and that it can make a difference. You can't just go through the notions. Yep, and it's interesting that you say that because and everyone who listens to this podcast regularly would know that I often um, talk about the UK government and a lot of the reform that happened over there. And when they went through their major reform program, it was one of the things that they identified was that the profession needed to be elevated within the government so as that, you know, policy people, service people, program people could actually value the marketing and communication function as an enabling function that was helping all of them to get their job done and done well. And they also invested heavily in training and continue to invest heavily in training. So there is that notion of this is valuable and it's going to elevate it, we're going to train it, we're going to keep servicing it. But I think it also grows pride and effectiveness then in the people who think, well, hang on, you know, I, I am delivering value to my community. So it's interesting you say that. Absolutely. And, and link to that, I think surround yourself with talent. Yeah. Don't settle for anything less than the best. Get the best people that you can get. But how get hard? Be- but isn't it harder in the public sector to try to attract the best people? Or do you think now that the sort of purpose-driven millennials are now thinking, well, hang on, you know, I don't have to be a gazillionaire. I, I'm, I, I can deliver for my community. It is the easiest it's been ever 
because people are more community minded than yeah. what they've ever been. Yeah. It's again getting the value proposition right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. It is hard and you have to work for it, yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah. And then sometimes you've got to look back to look forward. So constantly look back to look forward. Make sure that you are on the right path. Make sure that you said and and you said and you do yeah. is aligned, yeah. that you're on track. And don't be afraid to switch back to first gear or second gear or to gear down when you need to gear down yeah. so that you can accelerate yeah, I think again. That's, I think that's good advice. And I think also something that we often talk to people about is they're planning. You know, they put a lot of effort and time and thought and care into developing the plan, but then they go into execution mode and the plan, you know, stays in the bottom drawer. And often there's wisdom that is in those documents. So take them out of the bottom drawer and leave them on the top. And when you're looking for inspiration, go back to the well, because there's often so much knowledge and information and wisdom there. So I think that's a that's another great point. And then... I just want to, I've, I've said it earlier on, but think like a communication engineer. Take the mm. time yeah. to think through the detail yeah. because the detail is important. If you can visualise, if you stack up dominoes and you stack them mm. and you've got kilometres and kilometres of the dominoes stacked and if you've, if you've done that, all you need is that spark, that one domino and it can set everything else in motion and that is that is very important if you want to be successful with your communication. Take the time to lay the foundation. Got it. Okay, next tip. And then work off a plan. That is your business plan. Okay. And your organisational DNA. It's, you have to be authentic. Yep. It's absolutely essential that you have empathy but that you're also authentic and honest in your communication. And then I want to, it's such an honour to actually be involved in the community sector because we have the Disney factor. Mm. And the Disney factor is we can get to feel really good about what we do and we can tell the people that support us about the good that they have done with us at Communities at Work. So don't ever forget the importance of the Disney factor. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good point too because I think that well of passion that you can bring um, through your mission, which is really to solve and improve the lives of people in the community, I think it's one of the great benefits of working in the public sector. And I know certainly our mission here at Content Group is to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through effective content marketing. So as an organisation, when we jump out of bed every day, we know what we've got to do. Yeah. So it's sort of like, okay, that's what we're heading after. And I think, and I'm a big believer that through communication, we can start to solve some of the bigger societal problems that we've got, be they, you know, the impact of ageing populations, climate change is really largely driven by behaviour. So how can we use communication to alter uh, behaviour? Uh, Urbanisation, you know, how do we use communication to enable us to live more harmoniously in denser environments. So I think content marketing and communication, certainly in building out the quality of life, um, has such an important role. And we've got such a, 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 the gift of technology means that we can now engage with people. So it's an exciting, as you said right at the beginning, it's such a, a wonderful and exciting time. So Very yeah. much so. And, and David, if we look to the beginning of time, how do people solve problems? Mm. They sat together yeah. and they spoke and then you have people that told stories and 
I am also excited that those very, very fundamental principles are buzzwords today. So storytelling, thank goodness, everybody wants to do storytelling. Yeah. And that's right yeah. because it stood the test of time. For always people have used that. So we should be using storytelling. And by, by communicating, I agree wholeheartedly with what you say. We can and we do change the world. And we do and we can change and solve big problems. Indeed. So, Michelle, where can people connect with you and get to know you a little bit better? You can find me on um, LinkedIn or you can um, look me up on Communities at Work. Um, we've got a Facebook page, so you can, find, you can find me on the Facebook page and some of my colleagues that do some of the posting, so that's uh, communities that work, it's it's very easy to, to remember. Mm -hmm. um, you can contact me through the Communities at Work website mm -hmm. if you want, or you can just send me an email. It's michelle.robertson at comsatwork.org, and I'd love to hear from you. Okay, fantastic. Michelle, thank you very much for giving up some of your valuable time to be with me and with the audience uh, today. Uh, we do have a global audience. Um, you do come from South Africa. We do have people listening in South Africa, so I'm sure a big cheer out to them. Uh, but thanks. You know, a lot of learning, a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, and the purpose of this podcast is to impart exactly that. So thanks very much for joining us today, and I look forward to joining everybody next week. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.